This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Got a super duper exciting show, and I'm really excited about this book. The author is Lynn Cox, and her latest book is Tales of Al, the Water Rescue Dog, and the Making of a Super Athlete. And we'll talk to her about how does a dog that from the cover doesn't look like a super athlete, but it turns into a super athlete. So we want to talk to her a little bit about the book, the dog, of course, and then also talk to her about her writing craft in general. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining me now is author and writer and super athlete herself, Lynn Cox. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tim. It's really great to be talking with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on here in this book. It's definitely exciting because, as a matter of fact, I was trying to think back, and I know I'll forget what show it was on, but before the book came out, I saw a show, and I'm going to say it may have had something to do with Stanley Tucci's show, but it, it could have been something else. Oh, Dogs with Amazing Jobs is what it was from our friend uh, Victoria Stillwell. And she was talking about the training of water dogs in Italy, water rescue dogs in Italy. And then shortly after I saw the episode, this wonderful book of yours came out over my desk. And the book's called Tales of Al, the Water Rescue Dog, uh, the Making of a Super Athlete. And it goes hand in hand. So tell us a little bit about the uh, book itself and how it came about. Well, the book is really about Al, who was training to become one of the elite water rescue dogs. And when I met her, she was just two years old. And her trainer slash owner, Donatella Pasquale, was trying to teach her along with the other dogs that are part of the school. There was a dog named Mas who had had all such experience doing rescues and was one of the elite athletes in the school. And even Mas was having a challenging time training Al to become this rescue dog. I was invited to go to the school in Milan, Italy to watch the dogs train. And I was really interested because I am an athlete myself. I've swum the English Channel a couple of times and across the Bering Strait and done swims that nobody else in the world has ever done before. And so I'm always really fascinated by the way people are trained to do huge goals. And also I was really fascinated by Al because I thought about how these people in Italy spend time and, and a lot of effort to train their dogs to become lifeguards and to patrol the beaches of Italy. And also they occasionally go into Germany and Switzerland and patrol the beaches with lifeguards and make the areas safer. So I wanted to go and see how this was all done. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, and the whole thing is fascinating because here you are a, a pro athlete yourself, as you said, a, a master swimmer and they've broken all kinds of records and uh, written about your uh, all the wonderful things that you have done. And then you hear about these dogs. And as I said, you know, that, that when you first look at Al, as I had mentioned, uh, Al's a female, a girl dog. So it's not a, a male dog. And then you look at this big dog with, uh, you know, this big luxurious uh, reddish brown coat. And uh, it looks like a big uh, puff top of a hair. And you would think, now there's no way in the world this dog could be a, a master swimmer, a master athlete, and a, a rescuer. So how do they determine, you know, that what types of dogs and, and how's a dog like Al get involved in this and, and uh, actually excel in this situation? Well, there's a group in Italy that trains these dogs called the Scuola Italiana Carne Salvataggio, and they train in an area near Milan. And the dogs are brought to the school and they have to be able to go through certain tests to be able to qualify for the school. And if they're accepted and they start training, their owners work alongside instructors. And the person that I really got in touch with was a woman named Donatella Pasquale, who was vice president of the school and still is. And so she was the one who showed me how the dogs started out first as puppies and learning how they how to swim. And many of the techniques that they used in training the dog was something that I'd seen or I'd been involved with when I was a kid learning to swim. There was just this sense of security and support and allowing the puppies to gain their strength and gradually go a further distance. And eventually the owner instructor would let go of the dog. And through time, these dogs became stronger and more powerful. And when you look at Elle, she does look like a big, big dog that probably wouldn't be an, an incredible athlete. But when I was in Italy, I was introduced to Mass, who was an older female, Black Newfoundland, who was the star of the school. She had rescued many people and also prevented the drownings of a lot of people. And I was able to get in the water with her and go through one of the drills that the school does with the dogs. And so I swam about 50 meters offshore and then Moss was released. She swam out around me, but didn't get too close at first because the dogs are trained not to get too close and frighten people. And she could see that Moss could see that I was okay other than I was struggling. And she moved in closer and let me hold on to her harness, the handhold on top. And then she just pulled me ashore. And at first I was really concerned. I thought, you know, I'm not a small person and this is going to be really hard for her. But these dogs are incredibly powerful. They can pull in up to six people at a time. And she was just amazing. She just like pulled faster than I could even imagine a dog going. And part of it was because physically she was bred to become a dog that could do this. In um, Newfoundland, where these dogs are from, they were initially used to pull in the lines for fishing boats. And they would have to pull in large, heavy loads. And so the dogs have a lot of webbing between their toes, and they're also strong and powerful. And at the school, they train like athletes. They work out every day and their distances are increased and, and also backed off if they're showing signs of being tired. 
um, being there with them and going through the training regimen, did it bring up any similarities or memories of your training days? Are there techniques that humans use that the animals show uh, that they can use in this type of effort? Or was there certain lessons that you learned uh, in general, in addition to the uh, amazing strength that they have uh, with their swimming abilities and being able to pull people in? Those are great questions. This reminded me a lot of my training. I was so fortunate because I had two Olympic coaches that helped me train for the English Channel and the Catalina Channel and the Strait of Magellan and all these other swims. So they were elite coaches and they helped me reach huge levels in my sport. And that was the same thing that I saw with the water rescue dogs in Italy. The instructors were calm and patient and reassuring. There was never a time when a dog was scolded or belittled. And, you know, through the course of my life, I've been to a lot of swim meets. I've coached swimmers. I've been on, on teams. And in the past, I have seen parents that are, you know, show an ugly side or want the child to win more than the child does. And I saw with the dogs that the instructors who sometimes were their owners or just instructors at the school were always reinforcing positively, you know, and the other thing that was really great to watch was that if a dog was trying to learn a new skill and was getting it, then they would proceed to the next level. But if the dog didn't understand what to do, they would try a couple more times and try different things. And if the dog didn't succeed, then they backed off and would do something where the dog could succeed. And I thought, this is so smart because it reinforces the positive success versus reinforcing failure. And I, you know, I think that when you're around people and dogs, you like to see that progress. You like to see a, a positive outcome. And I was really thrilled because when I first noticed this video on um, the internet showing the dogs leaping out of helicopters into the water, I thought, you know, is this something the water the dog wants to do or is the dog being forced to do it? And by going to Italy, I was there to try to find out more about the training. Well, when they're going through the training process, I think it's pretty amazing because obviously uh, positive training, positive reinforcement, that's what animals respond to. That's what humans respond to as well. Now, in those situations where the dogs didn't quite get it that at that time, and they went back and did something that they were proficient in, did they retract back maybe the next day or the next week to try to go back to revisit the thing that they weren't successful for the first time around? They did that, but also they would employ the older dogs to help teach the younger dogs, or they would help employ the more experienced dogs with the lesser experienced dogs, because it wasn't always about age. In fact, I was just talking to somebody in, in Southern California who has two newts that she's been training to become water rescue dogs. And she said that the six-month-old absolutely understood exactly what he was supposed to do. And she has a 10-year-old Noof who has had no interest whatsoever. She's been through and watched a lot of the training, but she doesn't want to do it. And now at 10 years old, she suddenly picked up a line and showed that she wanted to participate. So just like people, there are dogs that want to play and there are other dogs that don't. But one of the coolest things that I saw that I thought was really fascinating was that they don't play with their dogs with toys. They don't allow their dogs to have toys. And I thought, that's really weird. I mean, wouldn't you throw a tennis ball in the water so the golden retriever or the Labrador or the other dogs there at the school could, you know, go out and get it and have fun? And I was told by one of the instructors that what they do is they become the tennis ball. 
that they have to be more exciting than any toy to keep the dog engaged and to keep the dog training with them. And then that way that reinforces that connection between them. Uh-huh. The other thing that I saw that was so fascinating was that the instructors help each other out. So, you know, it was like being on a team where you have, I remember training with some Olympic athletes on the teams I was in and on. And I remember that I didn't have the dolphin kick very good. And so I went over to Gennar Larson, who was the gold medalist, the 400 meter IM individually medley. And he showed me how to do the butterfly kick. And so when I was with this school in Italy, you were seeing the instructors helping each other with each other's dogs. That's amazing. And real teamwork and camaraderie behind it. And I think that's that's the fascinating part of it. Because we know, as you just mentioned, you know, being in team situations as athletes, oftentimes, yes, you want what's best for the team. And yes, oftentimes uh, people are more than willing to help. But there is that competition level within the athlete itself. It's like, do I give away all my secrets about my dolphin kick or, uh, you know, my curveball in baseball, you know, something of this sort. And you don't see that here. No, you don't see that because I think they were doing it for a greater good. I mean, these people volunteer their time to train with their dogs and then they patrol the beaches. And, you know, somebody asked me, well, you know, you have lifeguards on a lot of the beaches. Why do you need to have dogs? And so I found out that a Newfoundland can pull in six people at a time. A German Shepherd, Labrador, Golden Retriever can pull in two or three people at a time, along with the instructor. So by having the instructors and the owners patrolling the beaches with the dogs, it also has more eyes on the water. And one of the things that has been so great about the School for Water Rescue Dogs in Italy is that they have the ability to go in and recognize there's a bad situation about to occur and they'll intercede before somebody starts to get into trouble. So they may only rescue, say, 10 people in a year, which is great but they may have prevented 100 people from drowning, which I think is really, really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're talking about more than just, you know, recreational swimming in this case, you know, we're talking about people that are uh, perhaps out fishing recreationally, maybe doing it for a living, you know, circumstances where there's a, uh, you know, fairly sizable crew on one of these boats. Yeah. That's the other thing is that these dogs are trained like elite athletes. They are really elite athletes. They put in distances and, I remember hearing that one Newfoundland was able to swim up to a mile towing her instructor. So, you know, to be able to have that strength, but also for them to be able to negotiate through strong currents or figure out how to go through waves or how to ride them in. And, you know, it was really fantastic because I have friends and I've been around water all my life. And to then see the dogs having these great experiences and being as enthusiastic as people, but also kind of doubling the joy of being in the water and swimming with them. It was unique and it was fun. And it was also a way for the owners to connect stronger with their dogs. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and uh, chat a little bit further with Lynn Cox about her book, Tales of Al, the Water Rescue Dog and the Making of a Super Athlete. I also want to talk briefly with Lynn about uh, writing, writing not only of the book, but writing in general and how this was different than perhaps some of the wonderful articles she's written in the past. So everybody hang tight. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. 
Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continuing our conversation with uh, author, writer, and super water athlete, Lynn Cox. Lynn, when you put together the book, Tales of Al, the water rescue dog, what was one of the things that you sort of said once the book was done that, uh, you know, you're really hoping the reader gets something out of it? What is the, it, was there a main thing that you're hoping they walk away with, or was there a, a general feeling you were shooting for? I was really writing about love and courage and overcoming obstacles and not giving up on someone if they don't understand what you're trying to do. The connection between people and dogs and understanding that there are different ways to teach and learn and that with patience, you can achieve things that you didn't expect and you may have surprises that you never anticipated. So those are concepts within the book that I was really trying to get across. And I really wanted the story to be happy and inspiring because it is. But the story is really a lot more than just about Al. It's about dogs and swimming and fear and overcoming fear and exploring limits. So I felt like the story is a way to discuss all of those topics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said before, I, I love the, the idea of the fact that, hey, uh, there are certain things that animals as well as humans will excel at. Some we need a little bit more patience and guidance to get there. And some things it's like, okay, well, I may, may not be skilled in that, but I'm skilled in something else. So uh, another thing we can learn. Right. It's, it's something that you see happening right before us, all around us. And sometimes it's done really well and sometimes it's not. But I, I really think that the people in Italy have figured out how to really train their dogs and have an effective lifeguard service. But also um, it's a way for people to connect with each other socially and to explore what they're capable of doing along with their dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Things our dogs can do better than us and things we can constantly learn from our dogs. I think that's (laughs) the theory of my life. That's the thing I go by. So let's talk just briefly about your writing in general. How did writing this book, putting it all together, going through all the editing, everything you had to do to put together a wonderful book, how did that really compare to perhaps some of the uh, you know articles? Because you've written for uh, the New Yorker and New York Times, LA Times, various things about, about swimming and other things. How did the two compare? Can you glean uh, something from one to put into when you're trying to create a book like this? Actually, this was my seventh book, and it was so much fun to write. I wound up waking up at three in the morning and wanting to get to the computer and start writing. And my method was basically 
to write from three to seven or eight in the morning and then go work out in, in the bay in the ocean and then come back and edit what I'd written. And then I go to sleep the next night, waking up again at three in the morning, eager and happy to sit down and continue writing. And I've never had that experience with writing the other books. I mean, each story, each book I've written has been different from the other and each sort of finds its own way. So as I was writing this story, I just thought, you know, I think it's really important to start with the wonder of what inspired me to go to to Italy. And I think just that image of a huge black Newfoundland dog leaping out of a helicopter into a lake and wondering what was going on and thinking, I just have to go there. I just have to figure this out. It may not make any sense to anyone, but I want to see what they do there for my own eyes that I want to meet these people and these incredible dogs. That's right. And it's Italy. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that, so was, that, that was great because going to Italy, but also they were foodies. And so a large part of the book is centered on a big dinner, a long dinner that we have with specialties from all over the Northern Italy. So in writing the book, I had to go back and research a lot of the ingredients for the food that we were eating, but it was, it's sort of a gourmet's delight. So if you love dogs and you love food and you love swimming and adventure, I think this story will be appealing to you um, because it is a lot about food. There you go. I think you need to write the uh, vacation brochure for the group and <laughs> put a little blog on their website. Just just saying that, and I think that'll sell it for them for sure. An excuse to get to Italy is a good excuse. And if we get dogs involved, uh, count me in. No, that's that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, everybody, uh, the book is uh, Tales of Al, the Water Rescue Dog, Making of a Super Athlete by Lynn Cox. Lynn, congratulations on a fantastic book and uh, getting us in touch with everything that you do. Fascinating, your history and your uh, excellence in uh, swimming and all the wonderful uh, awards and medals and everything that you've won. And then you couple that in with some fantastic swimming dogs. It leads to a very, very good, fun, warm-hearted book. Thank you so much, Tim. And actually, I'm going to be going on a seven-week-long book tour to 44 different places. And so if anyone wants to come out to any of the book signings, they can go to my website. It's just my name, Lynn Cox, L-Y-N-N-E-C-O-X.com. And the other thing is that today is the launch day for the book. So it's doubly exciting talking to you and being able to go see the book, being open to people and, and having them read the stories. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you coming on board and putting us at the top of your list. The book's fantastic. Uh, enjoy your book tour. That'll be interesting. It's been a, a, quite a few years since I've been on a book tour. They are fun. They're exciting. They're exhausting. I hope you don't wake up at three in the morning and <laughs> unless you're going to go swim or do some fun stuff, but enjoy yourself during that. Everybody go to, uh, we'll post that at lincox.com. Follow her on the book tour. Get the book, Tells of Al, The Wonder Rescue Dog, The Making of a Super athlete. Lynn, congratulations again, and we'll look forward to uh, catching with you uh, somewhere down the road. Thanks so much, Tim. It was really great talking with you. Absolutely. Well, we're coming to end the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the producers and sponsors for making this show possible. If you have any comments, ideas, or suggestions for the show, visit us at PetLifeRadio.com. 
while you're there. Check out all the other wonderful uh, hosts and shows. It's a cornucopia of great entertainment and all centered around animals, so it's got to be good. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.